Welcome to Build Better, a podcast from Nadler Modular. The way we use buildings and space has changed forever. Where we work, learn, live and play is evolving. But the one thing everyone will still need is space. The construction industry will need to adapt to meet those changes and challenges, ensuring that we do build better. The Build Better podcast will explore some of the developments in different sectors and the requirements they have for buildings and how they manage their need for space. Each episode, you'll hear conversations with people at the forefront of construction, manufacturing, education, business, and others sharing their insights, commenting on trends, and giving expert analysis on the way we build. And now for your host, Director of Business Strategy at Nadler Modular, Wes Blessard. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to another episode of a Build Better podcast. Today we have Dave Tenney, and we'll be discussing many, many topics in construction and the processes and economic outlooks. So welcome, Dave. How are you doing? I'm doing well today, Wes. How about yourself? Fantastic. Uh, appreciate you asking. So to, to give us a little bit of background, um, could you go over, you know, what you do, what your title is with U.S. Modular, you know, different projects that you work on, and then, you know, we'll cover some other stuff as we go. Well, I'm uh, the CEO and president of U.S. Modular Space. We transport, set up, tear down, do service calls, refurbish modular construction trailers. We have done many large projects. Uh, we've done a few for for you personally. We have done uh, large 20-plex, 24-plex setups. We do little single-wide setups. We refurbish buildings in our in our uh, in our shop which is always fun because we get to see the different steps that go into what the building look like and then what it turns out to be for the customer. So I always enjoy doing those at the shop. We do storage over by our shop. There, there's not a lot that we don't do that has to do with the modular construction world. So right. and we, we, we continue to get into new and better things all the time. So Absolutely. You definitely, fun. you definitely do a lot for, for Nadler and, and, you know, I know you do a lot as well in the, in the area. So when we talk about modular, you know, we, we break it down, you know, you got offsite and onsite construction, you know, and, and typically when people think about onsite construction, let's just think about shipping all the two by fours and nails and brackets to the site and, and <clears> they <throat> send them in that fashion. Offsite construction we send them to a, a facility or an area off, uh, not at where the building is going to be its final location. We assemble it there, and then we transport it and, and then do the final assembly on the site. Um, so that, that's kind of the, the product or, or the, the market that we're in. So when you talk about, you know, plexes, you know, could you, do you do a lot of off-frame uh, which means it comes on a frame and you take it off, or do you do off frame or do a little bit of everything? We do mostly on frame. We have started the off frame. I was in Colorado a few weeks ago and they were all off frame 
Um, I can't remember the their attainable housing is, is what they were called. Okay. They were three plexes, two double wides, and then two story double wides and two story three plexes. Very interesting. It was the first time that we did it. Uh, I let the customer know, hey, this is the first time we're doing this. And they were well aware of it. And they still wanted to give us the project, you know, send us all the way to Colorado. And then there's now there's two other projects in Colorado that they want us to do. And they want us to start GC in the entire project slowly but surely, you know, because of all the stuff that we did on the first project. And they were they, they liked it so much. So it's yeah. interesting. That is, yeah, that is interesting, and that's outstanding. And so you touched on a topic there um, with, with sustainable housing. And, you know, that, that's one of the markets. You know, in Adler, we don't focus a lot on the residential side. You know, we, we do dorms and things of that nature. But as far as like a single-family home, uh, we, we don't really focus on that market. However, as you are starting to realize in the multifamily um, vertical market, there is a tremendous amount of, of need out there. I mean, I, I think I just read over the weekend, uh, 40 million homes are still needed for people out there that, that don't have homes. They're living with someone else, they're you know, doubling up or they're coming out of college and they're gonna be needing it. So it's, it's interesting that you bring that up. So what other vertical markets like office building or, or schools, what are you seeing that is really, really hot right now? Well, obviously the summertime, the schools are always hot, right? So, and, and winter breaks, schools are really hot, but we are seeing a lot of power plants going up or some of the power plants coming down, like the old nuclear power sites. Um, I have a project coming up starting in January that we're putting in 39 floors for a power plant that is coming down. It's an eight-year project. So we put in... A lot of complexes, very local by us for power plants that are going up. We're seeing solar power, wind farms. So a lot of power plants, I feel like, are are very hot right now, at least in our general Midwest areas. So that's very interesting because, you know, as we both know, infrastructure is, is the first piece of growth. So if they're converting power plants or they're building new power plants, obviously, you know, they must see some, some potential growth as we move forward. Um, you know, and as we discuss the, the modular industry and offsite construction, you know, one of the advantages of that is the acceleration of the timeline. And you and I both know um, when we see it, a lot of times the building is built, you know, uh, unless we visit the factory or you're refurbing one of your units, we don't see the unit itself, but we see the plans, we see, you know, everything that's going into it, kind of like baking a cake. You know, we have all the ingredients, we, we, we seen the sugar, we, we seen the, um, you know, the salt, we, we seen the eggs and the oil and, and the milk and ice. So we see all these things and then we, we don't see the product itself until the very end. So very similar to going like to a grocery store and have a prepackaged product. You know, we, we see it already prepackaged. That's a lot of times what the consumer sees going up up the interstate or when when you erect them on site and assemble them and put them all together. But at the end of the day, you know, somebody's seeing that as a finished product. They're not seeing all that. But while that's going on at the factory, 
and you're erecting things on other sites, you know, site work is done. They're bringing in the, the power from those power plants you're talking about. They're bringing in, you know, the plumbing for that. They're doing all the site work to make sure the stormwater runoff is going in the right places and not flooding out someone's business or their yard. So all these things are going on while the building is being assembled off-site. And then they ship it to site or transport it or however they're going to get it there. And then you come in with your large crews and you assemble them and, and you then you trim them out and you, you finalize them. And, and a lot of times, you you know, you get the certificate of occupancy. But um, in other cases, you know, they, they choose to have their maintenance guys or whoever to, to hook in the utilities. And then voila, you know, the, the community sees this finished product. So in your eyes, where do you see, because that's kind of like an overview, and I know we can get into details, where do you see that process being able to be improved from your end? Because, you know, you, you do so much of it from beginning to end and then the refurbing. Where do you feel like the process could be improved? I, I feel like one improvement could be coming from the factories, maybe reaching out to set up crews like myself and asking hey, what could we do different to make your guys' life easier on site to make our jobs go a little bit faster, a little bit smoother? So that, I feel like, would be a huge improvement right there. So, so a collaboration between the factories and the setup crews. You, I mean, because obviously you're large <laughs> enough. We're not talking, you know, one or two guys here. I mean, you're large enough. We're covering pretty much all across the United States. There's really nowhere you don't travel and there's really no no job that you know you turn away from. You like a challenge. But with that being said, you rise to those occasions. So a little, little collaboration with the factories, you're saying would go a long ways. Because I hear the factories saying, well, if we had some input from the setup guys, maybe we could improve our process. So I see an opportunity here to bridge that gap because I think everybody's willing but but you're busy in the field and the factories are a bit busy building. So maybe, you know, maybe Nadler, this is where we may step in and, and try to bridge the gap and, and bring, I don't want to say a committee or a forum or, you know, maybe just even a, a fancy Zoom call um, to, to, to figure, to find out what your hot spots are, what causes you indigestion on the job site. And then the factories, what causes them the most warranty issues that, you know, hey, if, if we could get the site guy to do this, we might not get a phone call in 30 days, you know, because I've been on both ends of it. I built a home about three years ago, and everybody thinks you build something on site, it's going to be perfect. Well, I'm here to tell you, it is not. I was there every day in the evenings when I got off work, and I went through and, and plumbed every two by four, measured every 16 inch on center, checked every screw, made sure everything was exactly the way it's supposed to be. And you still have twisting and bowing in the wood because of the way it dries. I had a phenomenal GC. Phenomenal. My sub crews were outstanding, always showed up when they were supposed to. But yet there were still hiccups. But he was a great GC. He, he stuck with it. He never went away. He made sure that when it was an issue, you know. So when people think about when we do something on off-site versus on-site, they think that on-site is better. And you and I both know you know, there's a process for everybody. Uh, we don't want to lean one way or the other here, but, you know, we're in this business for a reason. And, and 
a lot of times it, it's, it's to help people. And with that being said, you know, we educate them. They have to make up their own decisions. I will do my best to try to get with the factories and, and see if we can't get something set up in the next couple months. Uh, shouldn't be that difficult. Maybe we do it one factory at a time. Maybe we bring on two factories. Um, but I absolutely want to do that for you. I, I believe it would help, like you said, alleviate some of the pains. Because if they change it in the manufacturing process, that's going to make it more efficient for you in the field. And then ultimately, it's going to serve everyone's clients much better. You know, And, and that's what we're after. Absolutely. So, if we can get off the site faster, the customer is going to be a lot happier, you know, if, if we don't have to do as much work on site. And it's just right. we minor things at the factory that we see some factories do, but not others. You know, we pull up on site from some factories and we, we, we roll our eyes like, oh, God, we already know. Like, we already know what we're getting into. Right. So yeah. it, I, it, it I, have the, I have the same thing, you know, down here in the Mid-Atlantic. You know, all my guys, there's certain factories, they're like, uh, who's building the building? And I'll let them know, and they're like, uh, well, there's going to be a premium on that. You know, and, and I tell clients up front, like some factories we use, you know, they're bid factories. You know, if you put it out to bid, you know, you're probably not getting the Mercedes-Benz of the industry. You know, you, you may, but you, most likely you're not. You're getting what is what somebody deems is cost-effective. You know, but there is a, a lot of factories that are in the middle then I feel and I think you would agree that deliver a, a great product at, at a great price point now we can always go up in, in quality you know that there's if the customer wants to spend more money you know and a lot of that comes back on you know Nadler's team or some of my competitors you know we've got to be more upfront with customers and, and get real with with pricing. You know, as you see, you know, eggs have, have went way up in the last six months, or at least here in the Mid-Atlantic. We used to pay like $1.29 for 18 eggs. And, you know, last week at Walmart, they were you know, $6 and something. The modular industry has not increased that much. However, you know, it, it was an opportunity for everybody to say, well, you know, what about my quality? Customers need to be clear about what quality they expect. And with that quality, they need to understand that the price points are going to change. Now, nobody wants to talk about cost and nobody wants to talk about price points, but I can assure you, Dave, I, I don't know you extremely well, but I know you don't stay away from your family <laughs> five, six, seven days a week, you know, to, to, for your health. I know you're not doing that. And, and, you know, and I know you well enough to know you get up early in the morning, you go to the gym, you do everything to take care of yourself for your family. Being on the road every day, is 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 the means to take care of them also but you're not doing it you know because you don't get paid and the client needs to understand everybody has to get paid we're not looking to make it all in one deal we're looking for fair compensation and we're looking to to, to you know be, be fair across the board the factors the same thing i think everybody wants to be fair but the client needs to understand there, with quality, there comes a cost. You don't buy Mercedes-Benz at the same cost factors you get a Malibu, and that needs to be the understanding. Absolutely. So where are you off to this week? I know you said you, you were you were traveling. I, I see you sitting in the truck. I don't want to hold you up too, too much. So, so where are you headed off to? What are you building this week? We have Indiana. I got to go into a school to do a couple double-wide teardowns. And then I have a site visit tomorrow in Wisconsin 
that I have to go to with that 39 floors that we're putting up. So everything yep. flows really nicely. Um, and then I have a fourplex teardown locally, you know, which is going to be replaced by a brand new building, you know, so I actually get to be home this week every night, you know, for the last two weeks, it's been like that. And I'm taking advantage of it for sure. So no wonder you're smiling so big. <laughs> I thought, you know, I seen them dogs on LinkedIn, you know, where he went and rescued the dogs. And I, I know, you know, you like Nadler like to, you know, serve the communities that you're in and you work in. And, you know, we, we've talked about you went down on a job you were working on with, with, with another company and, you know, you rescued these dogs and on LinkedIn, I see these dogs. I mean, so give us a little bit about the, the story on these dogs and why that meant so much to you. So we were down in West Virginia at a mining facility and we were doing our training. We saw a, a boxer mix walking around. We thought it was the trainer's dog. It was kind of by the training facility. So on the second day of training, we asked the trainer, said, no, it's just a stray dog. Said, well, you know, I we the dog was very friendly. So I'm like, I, we can't leave this dog here, right? We were down there for two weeks. And on the first week before we left, one of our guys were getting married. So I flew everybody back home so we can all go to the wedding. And the day we flew back out, flew home, we found the dog. We gave it a bunch of food. And then here comes another female dog that comes. And we're like, oh, my God, there's two dogs now. Right. Very heavy set dog and looked pregnant or maybe just had puppies. So now the stakes are up even higher. So we didn't want to leave both of the dogs. So the following week, we left at eight o'clock at night. It was dark out. We could not find the dogs. It was, it was just too late at night. So we left and I took a picture when I saw both dogs, I sent it to my wife and she said, we have to get those dogs. They're going to freeze. They're going to die over the winter time. So three weeks later, me and my wife, I, I made reservations on a Thursday, Friday evening. We flew out. I rented a, we rented a vehicle, an SUV. Friday night, Saturday morning, we drove through Appalachian Mountains where we figured the dogs were going to be. We found them both. It took, it took some time to get them, get them in the car, find the puppies. They slowly led us to the puppies. My wife, Army, crawled underneath this I guess you could say abandoned house crawl space encased in concrete with these little vents. She found seven puppies. She two at a time. She brought them to me. We got everybody in the car and we drove 12 hours home. So the puppies are good. We kept two of them. We gave five of them away to people that we knew that we trusted and we kept the mom and dad. So it was, that, it was a good a fantastic trip. story. That, uh, it was, it was a you know, good trip. that, uh, you know, when I first you know, started speaking with you, Dave, I, I realized you, as well as many other people that I keep close, you know, you have a special vision and that vision is, is helping others, um, whether it's in the, you know, the modular industry or construction. Um, I know you mentor, uh, you know, a, a lot of people getting into the business. You have people that call you and ask and, you know, you ask nothing up for them other than no. be safe and, and do the right thing by others. Um, <clears throat> you know, so I recognized real, real early on in our relationship when I started speaking with you that your vision to help others 
is second to none. And, and this puppy story, you know, it's just a fantastic story. So it, it just speaks to who you are, Dave. And, and that's why I wanted to have you on on the, the podcast today is, is to talk about that, let people see what you're about, um, you know, and kind of go over some things that people may have questions, you know, going through the process and, and kind of what we see out there, you know, not just in the Mid-Atlantic and not just in the Midwest, but you cover all the way out to Colorado. And, you know, I know you've done some, some jobs down in, in the Southeast, you know, you, so I want to, I wanted to share that with everyone. Dave, we're going to wrap up. I know you got to get on the road and we, we, we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for taking the time out today, speaking with us, going through these things. And I'm sure we're going to have you on in the future uh, as we do other podcasts to dial in more to the processes and things of that nature. But right now we wanted to, the remainder of 2022, we wanted to stick to the high level uh, items that's kind of going on as, as we transition into 2023. So Dave, appreciate your time. You be safe out there and we'll be talking to you soon. Appreciate it. It was an honor and I'm glad you asked. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Build Better, a podcast from Nadler Modular. Remember to follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Stay tuned for future episodes.